The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. I'm curious to know how much money Hunter Deckers has lost on betting on the Royals the last week because it's been nothing but victories for Kansas City. And I'm sure he was just as confident as I would be if I was betting on baseball. Take the money line against the Royals to lose every day. Thank you, Brady Singer. Four strikeouts right on my mark. Yeah, because we've had a whole season of... Oh, the Royals have lost 9 of 11. They've lost 4 of the last 5. They have lost 11 of the last 14. Brutal. You're going to make a lot of money if you just bet the money line. <laughs> I would imagine, of course, it depends on the opponent how good that money line was. Sometimes you probably just don't doesn't you don't even bother to touch it. It's so ridiculous. How in the world has Kansas City lost 6 straight after what everybody thinks was a disastrous a number line of trades heading to the trade deadline. I'm going to dedicate a segment. I want to hear from Troy himself. What in the world is going on with the Royals? Is this just a fluke? Or are just things kind of hitting on the right note all of a sudden? We'll discuss later on in this first hour. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Just us two today. Phone number is 537-1350. Coming up. Uh, in our next segment, we'll be joined by uh, K-State beat writer from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, Kellis Robinette. It's been a long time we've had him on the show, so it's time to catch up. He's been doing a lot of traveling recently. Some of it also in uh, what's going to be X-Pac-12 country. Uh, but also, he was at K-State's open practice for a little while earlier today. I want to get his reaction to some of the things he saw, including who's got the good-looking arm with the quarterbacks. And we need an update on injuries. What are the injuries heading in to the fall practices that began yesterday? Plus, coming up in hour number two, uh, we're going to hear from K-State soccer coach Mike Dabini. I'm going to dedicate some time to K-State soccer today. Tomorrow, we'll dedicate... Sometime as well to K-State Volleyball. K-State Soccer had media day uh, just actually a few moments ago. I was over at Boozer uh, Family Park. And also, you have uh, K-State Volleyball, and their media day is tomorrow at 1 o'clock. So we're going to hear from new head coach Jason Mansfield about the upcoming season, plus what he thinks of the new digs. I'm tempted to sneak over there for that tomorrow just to get into the building. I loved their bit. Come on over. I'm going. And uh, I loved their bit. K-State Volleyball did, and this is just, you know, more genius ideas, I'm sure, from our um, from our video crew there at K-State, where they and they put it on social media where they played hide and seek in the new volleyball arena. Nice. And what I what I specifically loved is when somebody got tagged, if you used to play the Call of Duty games, like Modern Warfare 2. And there used to be a kill streak, which was just basically once you got that kill streak, I mean, you, your game was so nerfed, you're just going to destroy everybody. I'm going to throw <laughs> some gaming terminology at you, but it was called a chopper gunner. 
And when you got a kill with the chopper gunner, you would hear this certain sound effect. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for a fact, but I think they used that sound effect for the kills. Nice. That chopper gunner effect. I was like, man, that hit, man, that resonated with me so well. Um, when Call of Duty games were just incredible video games. They're not, in my opinion, what they used to be. All the, the graphics are incredible. Um, but they're not what they used to be. That's why they're starting to remaster some of these. Uh, Modern Warfare 2, the, the first one. Um, phenomenal game. Uh, all right. You can imagine where we're going to go to next. Uh, <laughs> I said it yesterday. Stay tuned. Uh, tune in to tomorrow's show for the latest in conference realignment because I'm sure there's going to be some new information. And, of course, there is. And it has to do with Arizona and Arizona State. With Arizona, the news isn't too shocking. With Arizona State, it is a little bit, a little bit. But at the end of the day, not too surprising. So if you can believe it, last night it was scheduled. There would be a new Arizona Border Regions meeting, and that's going to happen tonight, folks. It's going to happen tonight. Arizona, Arizona State, Northern Arizona, they're just there to vote. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see how far this goes. Uh and, and now this time, we actually have an agenda because the first executive session that we had a couple of days ago that actually took place during our show, we did not have an agenda. We could assume what it was, but we couldn't say for a fact until we started to get the leaked reports reported by guys like Jason Shear and other Pac-12 media. Well, now we know a piece of that information on what's going to be talked about, and that is, quote, Possible legal advice and discussion regarding university athletics, Arizona, Arizona State. So here we go. Buckle up once again. Arizona's ready to jump. What's Arizona State up to? That has been an interesting story of its own. Because if you've been following along with all the media in the Pac-12 as I have, you've learned that you know, yesterday, Arizona State wasn't exactly on board, from as far as I understand. Like, they were still leaning towards the Pac-12 saving its behind. <laughs> Which, more on that here in a little bit as well. Boy, did that uh, take an interesting turn as well with the Apple deal. Thanks to Brett McMurphy uh, releasing some news. But it, it took only a matter of hours. This was reported. This isn't, you know, my sources or anything. I, you know, I have very few in Pac-12 country. Uh, but it's been reported that Arizona State now, just a few hours after still being on board with the Pac-12 and not necessarily on board move, making a move to the, to the Big 12, Arizona State has all of a sudden changed its tone. And from what I've heard, it was their idea. They initiated our new Arizona Border Regents meeting which will take place later on tonight. By the way, that exact time, 8.05 Central, is when that executive session will take place. So what that means is we're not going to be able to watch the live stream. A live stream will exist for about two minutes. Tune in early. You're going to hear them have these ridiculous mic checks, very old people thing (laughs) to do. Uh, But that's all the entertainment you're going to get out of this. But I think we are, and I'm not the only one thinking, I think it's extremely close to being done. We, we are probably hours away from Arizona and Arizona State 
They're going to have the majority votes, just them two. Northern Arizona can take a hike. Nothing they can do. Their alliance does not have any swing votes. They don't have a majority. They're just hoping for a hidden immunity idol that's not going to show up. I'm throwing a lot of Survivor at you now. I I got you. The hidden immunity idol? Arizona Arizona State probably got it. Um, So they're screwed. Northern Arizona is nice and comfortable where they already are. Are they? Yeah. Yeah, there, there's no way that they would look to be making a move to the FBS, no. Well, sure, but I'm just saying, like, they're just kind of uh, along for the ride, you know what I mean? Correct. In this yeah. case, yes, they are along for the, much like much like the Emporia States and Washburns of the world in Kansas are. It was also reported, um, and this may have been uh, the turning point for Arizona State, and that is, it was reported, it's now been by multiple uh, multiple um, reporters, whatever you want to call them, um, that Arizona State had direct conversations yesterday with Brett Yormark. And Brett Yormark got to throw him another pitch or whatever. Um, of course, this was behind closed doors. And Yormark or your shark could smell the blood and potentially uh, got the sales pitch done and has convinced now Arizona State to make the move. The life raft has showed up. They're not the first on it, but they can be second and third. Can Arizona and Arizona State out of the Pac-12, and they can be saved. There were probably also a lot of negotiations that were going on behind the doors involving the presidents of both of those schools. Arizona State's President Crow has been had been especially a big fan of Larry Scott and one of his biggest enablers. And so he was really of the mindset that, no, why would we deign to go to the Big 12 for anything? Oh, boy, this guy was a Larry Scott fan. I don't know if we want Arizona State now. But it means means that there were plenty of backroom dealings going on there. Yeah, it's no surprise um, that... Arizona's leadership is better than Arizona State's. Uh, that's been, uh, I, I think it's been well documented in at least the last couple of years. Um, with Arizona State pumping the brakes, yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been well speculated that you know the old president Arizona State is of course you know and maybe him alone. I don't know how far it goes. Was not willing to make the move, and maybe Utah's in the same boat. But things have changed, and things have changed quickly for a number of these schools that are thinking. Pac-12, probably not much longer. Big 12 is the future. Here's another uh, part of this story that I found to be pretty interesting. This news broke this afternoon. Brett McMurphy was the first to report this. So we've been mocking, of course, the last couple of days of what Apple put on the table for the Pac-12 and throw them a bone, essentially. But it was also reported that there were a number of options, and this was the most popular, and that was Apple Plus for a mostly streaming TV rights deal to sign up the Pac-12, and the distribution would be a little bit over $20 million per school for who knows how long. The twist here is that deal is set to expire at the end of the week. As I put it on Twitter, here comes the 5 p.m. Friday night news dump. Yeah, what this tells me is there wasn't anything good other than this on the table. And this isn't good either. This is a disaster of a deal for the Pac-12. This is nowhere close to being a competitive Power 5 conference when it comes to a TV rights deal. 
nowhere really close to anybody else. Well, I don't, I don't know. ACC's deal is pretty crappy. I, I guess that would be the next closest or whatever. But you know, now that you know, we got Florida State and Clemson throwing out some threats to the ACC, so maybe their deal is on the way to being changed. We'll see what happens there. Uh, boy, um, yeah, that's another part of this mess, and I, I'm not even sure we're going to really get to today. But um, a deal expiring at the end of the week, it kind of reminds me of Brett Yormark when he was putting a little bit, he was tightening the screws, right? Tightening the screws on Colorado. Hey, Colorado, let's get this done by the end of the month. Let's get this wrapped up. You've been dragging your feet. Let's sign the papers. And now was this Apple like, listen, you guys are bleeding. We're throwing you a life raft of our own. I mean, because let's be real. Think about when it comes to streaming, think about what the state of California has. They have basically everything. All these streaming companies are all based on the West Coast. If there was really something there to invest in, there's a negotiation to take place. Yes. There is something that George Klyovkov can work with. Yet Apple, when we're getting towards what seems to be execution day for the Pac-12, you have Apple ringing the phone in the execution room and saying, hey, hold on, we got this for you. Of course, nobody was happy about it other than Kirk Scholes at Washington State. Who, what, did, what did he say? said there was... Um, Good spirits or whatever afterward. I don't know. It was something in that vein, though, in that sort of context that was trying to paint a, a cute picture for the Pac-12. No. Nobody is on board with what is considered pretty garbage money for the Pac-12. And so the other part of this, as it sounds like, the Big 12 soon is going to have three of the four corner schools with Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, as um, the two Arizona schools, it sounds like, just hours away from joining the Big 12. We knew how fast it happened with Colorado. It sounds like with tonight's meetings, it could happen just as fast. What the heck is Utah doing? What are the Utes up to? I want to tackle that at 510. What is the latest on Utah? Because they've been quiet for a while. So what are they up to? But when we come back, let's get to Kellis Robinette. I want to know what he saw earlier today at the first open practice for the media for K-State football. Are there some injuries that we should be a little bit concerned about? We'll tackle some topics with that coming up next on the game. Uh, we got some rush bringing us back into the game. Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. It's been a while since we've had this gentleman on the show. It is Kellis Robinette. He is from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle. Kellis, welcome back to the show. Uh, before we get to K-State football, I really admire how much how much traveling you do when you get some time off. You, you've been all over the place. Where all have you been over the summer? Well, it has been an eventful summer for years truly. Uh, my wife and I both turned 40, so we kicked things off the summer by going to Europe. We'd never been before, so we saw um, Rome and Spain. It was a lot of fun, and then we came back and uh, recuperated, 
and uh, then promised we would also take our uh, children someplace fun. So here at the end of July, we went to um, California, went to Los Angeles, saw some friends, went to the beach, went to a water resort. It was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, as what seems to always happen when I take my family on vacation, July, conference realignment struck. It was uh, quite comical just one night. I was looking on Twitter to see what the news was. I don't really look at Twitter during the day when I'm on vacation. I thought Colorado was coming. And I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I told my wife about it. She was like, this happens literally every year we go on vacation in July. So um, sh- shouldn't have been surprised, I guess. Yeah, if it was me on vacation during conference realignment, I would consider it um, a blessing. But uh, because of just how long it's been dragging on, it's driving me crazy. Uh, even though the Big Twelve is uh, winning right now in conference realignment, but uh, it's gonna be going on for a long time. So sooner or sooner or later, you're gonna uh, be working uh, when we have more conference realignment. Now, you said you went when you were in Europe. You went to Italy and you went to Spain. Which one did you prefer of the other? Um. I probably liked Rome a little bit more. Stuff there was older. Anything you'd come across, like the Colosseum, just seemed a little bit cooler than stuff that uh, you'd see in, uh, like, Barcelona that was a little bit newer. But we did we did go to a, a Barca soccer game with 95,000 other people, and that was quite the unique experience. So uh, it was definitely not a letdown in either spot. And if I had a, a dollar for every time I saw you shirtless on Instagram, I think I might be able to afford a... Uh a plane ticket over to Italy. So go follow Kellis Robin on, on, uh, on I, I should say Instagram, go follow him on Instagram, uh, for all those vacation picks. Uh, let, oh boy. <laughs> let, over to football. I, I know I, I wasn't able to go to the, um, the open practice. I should say, you know, a, a portion of the, of the practice today was open to the media and, you know, it's very nice of, uh, of K-State football and Chris Kleiman to give us a little bit of a window to go look at something taking place early on and we can break it down, even though you probably maybe didn't see a whole lot. But I did actually want to start out with, um, I read this first on Twitter from you guys reporting that there was a lot of jawing going back and forth between the offense and defense when you guys got there. Um, yeah, mostly from Hayden Gillum, um, the starting center for Kansas State football team. He was very eager to get practice going. He uh, actually uh, waved to the media and said hi to us as we all came in. And then all throughout the stretches, he just kept yelling, "Where's Where's Kobe Savage at? Where's uh, you know Where's Daniel Green at? We're going to get you today." And um, it was finally after about uh, a solid minute minute of him talking, finally uh, somebody from the defense barked back. We we heard Jordan Wright tell him that uh, it was going to be a long day for the offense, and it was kind of funny because uh, Hayden just said, "All right, I knew I knew the defensive backs would." bring the juice one of these days um so some some good-hearted trash talk there i, I really liked it shows that uh, spring uh not spring um training camp is not yet tedious for these guys i like it hayden gillen being the trash talker on his own team i i really like hearing that from him. he seemed like the nice guy uh when we hear from him at practice so i like the john back and forth between the uh between the sides of the football um did you get to witness will howard uh, talking to the team in, the, in a huddle or anything? A little bit when they uh, when the whole team convened at midfield after stretching, you know, talk very briefly and get going for the rest of practice. Yes, Will Howard broke broke it down. He told the whole team that hey, we know everybody in the country is doing this right now, um, so let's go out and work harder than every other team in the country. Let's get better not only than we were yesterday, but let's work harder and do 
execute better and improve more than any team out there that's practicing right now. So a very good uh, attitude to have, and, uh, yeah, it just shows uh, the kind of leader. Attaboy, Will. So, of course, the, there's a lot of people wanting to know who's going to be the backup quarterback for Will Howard. Is it going to be Avery Johnson? <laughs> Is it going to be Jake Rubley? Uh, you know, Adrian Lara, you know, of course, uh, Knuth, you know, is in that rotation as well of the five guys um, that are trying to fight for a backup job, of course. I'm sure what you saw was probably pretty limited, but just them throwing the football, how'd the arms look? Uh, Really good. And that's one thing pretty much everybody who was at practice said was the quarterback room looked just uh, leaps and bounds better than it did a few years ago where. You know, you would have Skylar Thompson and then a bunch of unproven players behind him. Or last year, Adrian Martinez. And then um, this was before we knew what Will Howard was, but everybody else behind him, you know, you're just terrified that one guy gets hurt and you know, the whole offense gets broken. I would say it's a much different scenario, scenario right now. Will obviously looked really good throwing the ball. But Jake Rubley showed a really strong arm. Every Johnson showed a really strong arm. Uh, even going down the line, I mean, when your very last quarterback in the room is Jacob Knuth, who was recently on scholarship at Minnesota, and he's like, you know, in your emergency scout team, whatever, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty impressive room. And I will say from what I saw today, it looks like Jake Rubley is currently operating as the QB2. He was uh, the second guy in all the rotations. He just looked pretty sharp out there. Um, I mean, Avery looked really good, too. I couldn't find any faults with any of them. Um, but right now it looks like Jake has a little bit of an edge on Avery. We'll see how that plays out. What did you see from the wide receivers? Um, uh, a few of them uh, had some drops, which wasn't great to see, but most of the top guys uh, looked pretty into it. Um, the names that stuck out to me were, you know, nothing too surprising. Philip Brooks, Keegan Johnson, R.J. Garcia. Those were the three guys you saw kind of leading every drill. So if you're wondering about who's going to be the you know the first three players out there on rotational sets, those are probably uh, the guys to look at. Then the two other guys that uh, I noticed were Seth Porter, um, who's kind of been a behind-the-scenes guy in the past, but he was in the slot, moving around really good, catching passes. He was usually the number two guy in the slot in rotational drills. And then Jaden Jackson, a wide receiver who transferred in last year from Mississippi. We didn't see a whole lot of him. Um, the, the hope was that this next season he'll step up into a larger role. He actually looked pretty good out there, too. The question at that point becomes, you know, you've got um, only so much playing time to go around the receiver position. We've seen that Colin Klein doesn't like to go uh, much deeper than three or four. So how do you squeeze all those uh, all those players on the field? We'll see how that unfolds. I think heading into that practice, if I was able to be there, I know the eyeballs would gravitate towards – QBs, wide receivers, position, you know, skill players, um, like running backs or whatever. But I mean, I think I'd more be glued on the uh, like the nose guards and what you know, Damian Eli Leo and Uso Salamalu. Like, you know, what are they up to? And we, we've touched on offense. I don't know when you saw the position groups. Were you able to watch much of the defense? Yeah, I, I did. Um, it was just a little bit harder to figure out like who the starters were at those positions because we didn't get to see them line up in scrimmage formations. It was really just purely drills. But I, I will say you could glean a little bit from the defensive uh, defensive line. It definitely looked like Uso was the number one defensive tackle and uh, Damian was number two. I think those are the two guys you're going to see most of that position. And 
they were they were hitting some sleds hard. They were moving around good. Um, that's really what I could could see there. Um, elsewhere, you know, it's uh, it, it just looked pretty much like you you would expect uh, in, the, in the secondary. Speaking with Kellis Robinette from the Kansas City Star and Wichita Eagle, filling us in on uh, what the media saw today at the uh, the portion of the open practice to the media with K State football. I guess the next thing to cover would be were there any guys sitting out, any injuries, guys not participating in practice at all? Yeah, there were uh, five guys that I counted who weren't full participants. The biggest name being Christian Duffy, who has started 30-plus consecutive games Mm. on the offensive line for Kansas State. Um, He obviously is expected to be the starting right tackle this season. He was on the sideline um, Uh oh. Yeah, that ain't good. Did he drop? It sounds like it. Okay. Well, that's all right. He's he's completely gone, completely disconnected. Believe so. Okay. Well, that's all right. We we heard about because I, I I was reading about this earlier. I don't know if we're going to be able to get him back on here, but I think Troy's going to try to get him back on here. But yeah, Christian Duffy, right tackle. Over 30 games consecutively, he has started. Um, I mean, I could, I guess, continue on with the report if you if I wanted to, but uh, don't don't worry about it. I guess we could we, we can let him go. I can text him whatever. Lizzie decides to call back, but I, I guess I can kind of finish up on what I've heard about uh, guys sitting out. Other than um, Christian Duffy, Nikendri Steiger, who's a defensive back, uh, was not participating, and I believe there was also another offensive lineman. I don't know if you can comment on that, but uh, that was also not in action earlier today. Yeah, I didn't go through the full roster to get a better handle on it. Kellos definitely had that, uh, that I didn't. Well, it's too bad that he dropped, but uh, Kansas City star Wichita Legal, he wrote about his observations from earlier today from the open practice, the portion of the practice today that was open to the media. And, of course, go check that out. And uh, we will catch up with Kellos Robinette later on down the road, getting closer to... The kickoff September 2nd against Southeast Missouri. Uh, we will take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to let Troy take over because his Kansas City Royals have won six in a row. Coming up next on the game. Your home for K-State sports. At the buzzer, score the two, but it's a one-point win. The 22-game winning streak in Austin is over for the Longhorns. A huge win for Huggins and the Kansas State Wildcats. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Once again, would like to thank Kellis Robinette for stopping by and uh, filling us in on uh, what I couldn't attend earlier today. That was the uh, portion of open of uh, practice for K State football earlier today, open to the media. Uh, some interesting things from Kellis, but of course, you know, very abbreviated. So. <laughs> Couldn't learn a whole lot, but at least we got a little something, right? A little taste of uh, of K-State football, a little bit of knowledge until the press conferences start next week. We'll hear from Chris Kleiman, I believe, on Tuesday. Isn't that right? That Chris is Kleiman correct, on Tuesday yes. will be our first uh, fall press conference heading into the 2023 season. Back on the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale coming up at 510. 
What's Utah up to? What's their status when it comes to uh, making a move to the Big 12? Are they finally on board? They've been quiet lately. Yeah, you know. So uh, what are they going to do? Are they uh, are they motivated yet to finally come in and uh, be a part of the Big 12 and make it to 16 and uh, continue this crazy conference realignment carousel, I guess? Well, nobody's landing on the Pac-12 right now, that's for sure. Uh, but we will continue conference realignment on coming up at 5.10. And then uh, I'm going to give the floor to K-State Soccer for a few moments coming up at about 5.30. Uh, let Mike Dabini tell us uh, a little bit about his team coming into 2023. Believe it or not, the Kansas State 2023-2024 athletics calendar starts Saturday. In two days is the first soccer exhibition and that will be taking place at Missouri State. They only started uh, practice two days ago, mm-hmm. and they're already playing uh, an exhibition. So it's moving quickly there at Boozer. Uh, but back on the game, I wanted to touch on this, and I I need I need Troy to tell me about exactly what's going on now. If I were to tell you this is the longest winning streak in Royals history, I mean there might be some that believe me, but it's not close. Uh, not to be even. The not streak. anywhere near that. But it feels like the longest winning streak in years. Well, it is the five-gamer was the longest since 2021. What's interesting about this is the Royals have won six straight. Back-to-back sweeps. It was a beautiful homestand, right? Yes. Now they're about to head to Philly. They swept the, the Twins, who are first place in the Central, and before you know it, the, the White Sox are going to screw around and all of a sudden Kansas City's in fourth place. Right. Meanwhile, the Mets come to town and they get swept by Kansas City. It's funny because heading into the season, really where we're at right now, it's like the New York Mets are having the biggest meltdown because of where the Mets are currently compared to where they were supposed to be if you're looking at the beginning of the season, right? Like the Mets, weren't the Mets supposed to be good this year? Yes, they were, and especially because they had the highest payroll in the majors. They outdid the Yankees in terms of payroll, and Steve Cohen had hacked off the rest of the owners because of how over-the-top the payroll was. I mean, it got so bad they had to get rid of Justin Verlander. Correct. They had to get rid of the race, right? They got rid of Max Scherzer as well. Max, yes. yes, Max Scherzer. So they tried to, they had re- to be sellers. Yeah, they tried to relive those Tigers days of yore with Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander, and it did not pan out, no. Meanwhile, these last six games, you're like, where has this been all year? Mm -hmm. After the Royals are dealing guys and being involved in trades that, good luck, Royals, trying to convince anybody that these were good trades, and yet they've won six in a row, and Kansas City not only winning six in a row, they're kind of like kicking the crap out of a few games. You know what I'm saying? Like winning very impressively. 10-7 against the like, Twins on Saturday like, night. Where's this offense been? Correct, yes. Where has it been? Um, Really, in a lot of ways, this is a team that is finally finding a groove offensively Bobby Witt Jr. has been hitting well uh, and has just continued to climb after getting off to such the rough start this season but guys that are getting opportunities longer frame opportunities maybe than what they were expecting to uh, are starting to now deliver and 
let's be perfectly honest, a few breaks here and there. Witt gets into one to walk it off the other night to start the winning streak, the Grand Slam against the Twins on Friday. You get the walk-off balk <laughs> yeah. the other evening. Yeah. I mean, in a winning streak, you have to have some of those types of things happen as well. And when you put it with actually some decent pitching, Brady Singer going 100 pitches today in a very good start. They're scattering hits. They're keeping the opponents at bay in doing so. The disappointing part of it is one of those guys involved in pitching well in the streak is now in L.A., Ryan Yarborough. Yeah, of course. Um, But, you know, last night, Raggins came on and pitched well for a guy who had just gotten called up from the minors and had not had a chance really this year with the Rangers to do much. Um, you know, you, you like where this team at least has started to find a bit of a groove. It's something that I know had been talked about by Ryan Lefevre on a pregame show with Matt Quattrero a while back was about what they were hearing from other teams going into even the trade deadline. And it was, you're doing the things right. The breaks just aren't going your way. How is this team not better than what it is in terms of record? Because they're doing little things right. And as time has worn on, that has become steadier and steadier. And I think that that adds up. Yeah, Bobby Wood Jr. is has been a major story these last six games you're right I mean he he finished the series 15 for 27 he hit three home runs did strike out five times the strikeout to walk ratio is whatever but 15 hits in six games and if I tally up the RBI he had 13 in the last six games yeah Bobby Wood Jr. is very hot right now Four of the six games in the winning streak have been at least two hits. Back-to-back games against the Twins was four for five. And over the last six games, he has been able to to jump that batting average up 19 points. One of the things that is striking me about that is that he's actually probably now starting to come off more as being ahead of schedule if you start to compare him to previous players in Royals history in terms of when that light finally went on you know it took George Brett three seasons effectively to become George Brett it took Alex Gordon how long to become Alex Gordon well now you've got Bobby Witt Jr. really flipping that switch here at the mid-season point and becoming more and more of a factor in the lineup rather than just a uh, hit-or-miss guy that could be stellar but was still finding it out. Well, you heard it here first. Bobby Wood Jr. going to be the next, at least, Gordo. You would hope so. (laughs) I mean, Well, (laughs) because when, when you realize you're talking about a guy who won minor league player of the year, a guy who was a dramatically high draft choice for this team. Yeah. It, you want him Still to young. be. You want him to be the next Gordo. You want him to be the next face of your franchise. Absolutely. Twenty three years old. It's his second year in the big leagues, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I see a lot of numbers that 
I think, have a good chance of surpassing his numbers from last year. We'll see what he does moving forward. But it's just like, man, six in a row, we finally get to talk something positive about Kansas City. Royals, if you keep doing well, we'll talk more about you. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we'll finish up the hour with, you remember Jabroni the Week on Tuesday? A weird twist in that story. And I'm like, after I heard about it, I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's coming up next. All right, so let's jump back to Tuesday here. My Jabroni of the Week was a former Auburn cheerleader named Lindsay Shiver. She married Robert Shiver, who was a long snapper for Auburn. They get married. They're happy. They have some kids. They're rich as well, and they got a place down in the Bahamas. Well, it turns out Mrs. Shiver decided to cheat on her husband. She met somebody down there, and, uh, well, you know, they got caught, so they're getting divorced. Well, it turns out the um, the person she had an affair with was uh, caught, like, trying to rob a bar. And while they were investigating, the cops looked at his phone. Turns out this lover and Lindsay Shiver were planning to have the husband killed. Hire that hitman. Yep. And the cops found the uh, the text messages, and they were all arrested. Well, here is the next part of this story. So she's been arrested, and all this bail has been set. Robert, the husband, or you know, ex-husband or whatever, estranged husband, this is where I'm like, what are you doing? He bailed her out. He paid $100,000 to bail out the woman that literally wanted to kill him. And I'm like, what are you doing? But at the same time, I'm like, they got kids. Probably still loves her. I mean, she cheated on him. It wasn't the other way around type of thing. But I'm also like, dude, she wants to kill you. Talk about forgiving. Some gal is going to find this man and not even have a clue how lucky she is because that heart is gigantic. Hour to the game up next. So is your local news.